this morning. Sing with me. Bless the Lord. You better try that again. We will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul will never Showing off for Jesus. I love it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Welcome everybody this morning to True Vine Worship Center. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy in this house. Amen. He's worthy. He's worthy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My God. My goodness. It's so good to see you. Um, God is good. Amen. And all the time, God is, God is good. And he is worthy of our praise this morning. And in this house, you can praise him. You can worship however your heart desires this morning. You know, I believe that all of us are different and we're individuals and we have our relationships with the Lord and we have our expressions. And I'm so thankful that God understands and knows all of it. Amen. He knows every detail about us and he loves us and he welcomes us just as we are because he created us just as we are. So today, just worship him. I believe and I know God wants to do something so special. How many believe he wants to do something special for you? I mean, he does. He really does. He wants to do something so special for you this morning, and I believe that we'll experience exactly that when we just give them all. We just surrender to the Lord this morning in our worship. So let's just surrender to Him. Give Him all you got this morning. He deserves it. He's worthy of it. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. Amen.
get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like a weakness Is a canvas for your strength But my story isn't over My story's just begun And failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Failure won't define me That's what my father does Wide. Ah, yeah. The 
an amazing, wonderful, wonderful Father who always is true to His Word, who always keeps His promises, who always fulfills everything that He says He's going to do, who always brings beauty from ashes, who always brings life to dead things. He always does it every single time. He's a good, good Father, and we're going to trust what he says. We're going to judge him faithful. We are going to judge him faithful in this place. Right now, judge him faithful for the things that he's going to do, for the things that he's done, for the things that are yet to come that you've been praying on. My God, his vow is unbroken, and he will continue to fulfill his word in you. Oh, yes, God, yeah. Oh, we judge you faithful. Doubt you. 
just declare it over yourself. In the land of the... song that we're about to sing it it talks about waiting on the Lord and <clears throat> most people know Isaiah the scripture in Isaiah that says but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint and God was teaching me something the other day about just waiting and um I have this um, cherry blossom tree in my front yard. <clears throat> and every year, spring comes, and the other trees in my yard start to, you know, grow buds, and you can just, you can see it. You know what I'm saying? Whenever spring comes to plants and trees, you can see the change in them. They go from barren to just a tiny bit of something, a tiny bit of hope, right? <laughs> My cherry blossom tree does its own thing. And every year, my husband says, it's dead, cut it down. Every year. But I'm like, no, just wait. No, just wait. And the other trees are full and green, just full and green. If there's blossoms on them, there's, you know, flowers or blossoms or whatever on them. And the cherry blossom tree still looks like it's in winter. But then one day, I come home and I see on the branches this tiny bit of hope. And every year, it's not, it's not always the same time. You know, it, it doesn't always bloom at the same time, but every year it does. And I just, God was just like, you know what? Sometimes when it's, when you think everybody else is in spring and you see things happening in their life and you see those blossoms and you see that green, that vibrant life showing from the promise that God gave to them, God is saying, just wait. Because it might not be your season yet. And if you'll just wait, I promise you, you'll come in one day and you'll just see. God will show you. There it is. That tiny bit of hope. That tiny bit of hope. So if you're in that season where you're like, God, what about me? I feel like God is saying, just wait.
waiting is not a pause. Some of us are tired of waiting because we're just like waiting, like waiting in line at the DMV or something. But waiting means to bind together, to bind together. Like as if you were braided a rope. You're braiding a rope. And a rope has three strands, and a three-standard cord is not easily broken. And those three strands are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in you. We're waiting because God is building something in us. He is binding something together in us for strength. He's making you ready to receive, to house, and to give forth what you're waiting for. Whatever you're waiting for, think of that thing. God is preparing you in the waiting. You need to bind together. I need to bind together with him. Draw into him. Use this time to become closer, to bind in, not to sit around and go, well, I don't know what he's doing. Have you ever thought that? Because I have. God is calling you higher. He's calling you deeper. He's calling you so you are woven into him. And he is woven into you in the very fabric of your being, in the very soul that you live in, in the spirit, so that when it comes to you, the thing you're waiting on, you can breathe it out. You can house it. You can give it. You can become it. He wants you to become what you're waiting for. Bind together with him. We're waiting for him, and it is a good thing. So don't.
Come on, let's do that one more time and make sure Jesus gets all the glory. Mm -hmm. You're not even warmed up yet. Come on, somebody lift up a high praise. Lift up your voices and lift up a shout of praise unto the Lord God. Jesus, you are the one that's worthy. We give you all the honor and all the glory. You're worthy of all power and honor. 
lift your name in this Somebody's going to let the lion that's inside of their lungs roar this morning. I hear lions roar. I hear lions roar. I hear the roaring of lions. Come on, somebody, let it out. Some of you think you got to fight. Sometimes you don't have to fight. Just begin to roar and scare off the enemy. Come on, somebody, let that roar from the lion of the tribe of Judah that's down inside loose this morning. Mm-hmm. said you've got a lion inside of your lungs <laughs> you've got a lion inside of your lungs <laughs> come on somebody i said you have got a lion inside of your lungs so let the lion roar this morning hell hell lion of judah thank you lord Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Go ahead. Come on, somebody. Go ahead. It's fine. It's all right. It's all right. Let him have his way. I saw some of you, like the Lion King, teamed up by a bunch of hyenas, but then I heard another one begin to roar, and then another one begin to roar, and before you knew it, those little demonic evil things took off, just like that. Uh. So I throw up my hands. Amen. Come on, everybody. Bless Jesus in this place. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for an opportunity to assemble. We don't just gather, but we actually assemble. Uh, 
ourselves together. Not just to hear what you have to say, and we will. And not just to worship, and we will. Um, but to be challenged, to be renewed, uh, to be strengthened and empowered uh, for the coming days and weeks. Now, Lord, as we get ready to give, I pray that everyone in this place is blessed beyond measure. Uh, that you would do for them exceedingly, abundantly above all that they could ask or even think according to the power that works in them. We know that what we're going to give this morning is not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed we sow. And we know what? That good seed sown into good soil brings good fruit. And I bless everyone here and with the commanded blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on up to the front and give your tithe and offering. Place it there in the basket. You can read on the screens other ways to give if you would prefer that way. You can text the amount you would like to give to the number 84321. You can go to our website, truevonstatesville.org, or you can go to tvwc.churchcenter.com slash giving. Amen. On your way up or back, and if you're already back, how about reaching over to the person beside you and give them a shake or a hug and say, a handshake, not a shake, don't shake. <laughs> Better watch what I say. People take me literally. Good morning, Mr. Lindley. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Amen. Children's Church and Nursery, you guys can go on back to the back. If you're visiting, we have Children's Church for um, kindergarten through fifth grade, back through that door. Nursery, babies all the way up to pre-K, back through that door. We do have first door. Hey, brother. First door on the left. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay right here. You want to say something? Um, if you need to use the first room right there on the left, you can. That's for uh, nursing mothers if you need to tend to your children or whatever. I think we've got a, a, a live feedback there of the service. Well, who loves Jesus most in this place this morning? Let me hear you. Yeah. That means you must have been forgiven of a lot. Because <laughs> the scripture says he who's forgiven of a lot loves a lot. You scoundrels. You know, you're not that. You're not a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're a, new, you're, a, you're a new creation. And when God makes you a new creation, all the old things, guess what? They're passed away. And guess what? All things, not some things, not a percentage of things, all things are become new. Aren't you glad that when he does it, he does it spirit, soul, mind, and body. That when he does it, he doesn't stop before he completes it. That if he starts a work, he'll finish a work. That he's faithful to his own word. Amen. And you are a word out of the mouth of God, whether you know it or not. Amen. Where's Bruce? I think Billy said he's here. Is Bruce in here? I can't. It's not because I don't have my glasses on. It's because that light is shining bright. Bruce had surgery. How'd everything go? Yeah, I'm going to pray for you because I want you to heal quickly. Everybody believe that God can heal quickly? Yes. Thank you for my friend Bruce. I'm just going to lightly put my hand in there, okay? Lord, I just bless Bruce. I thank you for his shoulder. In the name of Jesus, let everything heal properly and in your time and completely. Every molecule and cell of this body hears my voice, which is backed by his spirit, saying to be healed and whole in Jesus' name. Let the healing virtue of the resurrected Christ go into every part of his body and bring perfect restoration in Jesus' name so we can arm wrestle. You'll win. You'll win. I've got one up there. Thank you, sir. Amen.
Amen. There was something in the spirit that started to grab when we were, Marie was singing about promises. Some of you are believing and have hoped and almost have lost hope. And I'm not going to preach this this morning, but I, I found and discovered something many years ago that I did preach. And it's from the faith chapter, which you may know or you may not know is Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of people, by faith, Abraham, and by faith. But the one that caught me was 11.11, and it says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed when she judged him faithful that had promised. Say it again. It says, and Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. By the way, this is barren Sarah. This is Sarah that had to watch her husband get another woman, her handmaiden, pregnant because she thought she would help God out a little bit. And you find out when you help God out a little bit, then you always will birth an Ishmael. And Ishmael means wild donkey. I would use another word, but it would probably offend a couple of you. But that's what the name of Ishmael means. And anytime you try to help God do something for him that he didn't tell you to do, you always birth something that's wild and that's going to cause you problems in the future. But if you'll wait and judge him faithful, you will receive strength that you don't have. God will cause a dead, barren womb to come alive and shriveled up loins. I mean, God can make it happen. He can take you to somewhere from nowhere with nothing, and he doesn't need your permission to do it. Amen. So, amen. So I just, as a prelude to what I'm going to talk about this morning, because I'm probably going to teach you a little more than preach this morning, uh, but I just want you to know that answered prayers and fulfilled promises are on the horizon for you. If you can see it this way, in, the, in God's realm, in the realm of the Spirit, there is no time. It's a timeless place. And so all things in that realm are already done. And so what happens, time, time is simply a landing spot for everything that's in eternity to manifest in our now. That's how we experience things. And so if you can see into the, pierce the ethereal, see into the heavenly realm and understand, for instance, my shoulder is already healed there then the secret is to bring that reality into my reality. And that's what Jesus did because Jesus could see and perceive the heart and the mind of the Father. And because he could see it and perceive it, then he would bring it as a conduit from that realm into this realm. And that's what he said when he taught his disciples to pray. Pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How? On earth, just like it is in heaven. Everybody in here knows in heaven all things are perfect and happy and joyous and no sadness and no pain and no sorrow. But the problem is we wait to make heaven our home instead of making our home like heaven. But there is a people that's growing up that's tired of having to wait for some glad morning. It's like, I'm not waiting until I die to get there. I'm going to bring there here. That's what John said. He said, Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the old heaven the old earth were passed away, and there's no more sea. I really don't want to preach. I kind of want to talk to you a little bit more. But some of you have been waiting a long time. You begin to judge him faithful. Wait a minute. It ain't about me focusing on my promise. As long as my focus is tunnel visioned to the promise and I take it off the promiser, guess what? When it don't happen, I become discouraged. But if I take my eyes off of the promise and get them back on the promiser, then I'll look to the left and there's a promise answered. I'll look to the right and there's a, because my focus has changed. My focus and perception is towards him. And the byproduct of him being the focus is the things he's promised come to manifestation. Many times they don't happen because we're so focused on the thing that we missed the one that promised the thing. We're so focused on destination that we missed the, the trip. And God's a trip, man. 
I said it in the song that I sang. Arrival's not the end game. The journey is where you are. He wants to walk with you and talk with you and give you. And, 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 so what, and what you find is you're chasing goodness and mercy, not knowing the whole time goodness and mercy were chasing you. David said it. Yea, though I walk, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. My God, if he had a prophetic understanding in the old covenant of what we could have, what do we see on this side of the cross now that we walk into the fullness of the promises of the new covenant? Anyways. So, let's refocus on him. Take the focus off of the thing. I know how discouraged it can, it can be. I told you last week I was discouraged when the promise that God made me and the very words he spoke did not happen with this building until it did happen. When I finally just put it back in his hands and said, all right, well, you want me to take my shoe off and look like an idiot over on the corner of the building at 1030 at night? I will until the next morning call and they said, oh yeah, by the way, the building's yours. But my focus had to be redirected. And what happens is, well, anyways, amen, amen. What happens is, as we, as we focus on the thing that we don't have, then we attract that bitterness and sorrows to ourselves. Don't get mad at me and think this is new age. You know, what happened with a lot of new age is they saw some truth, hijacked it, but had it outside of the Holy Spirit and don't know that they know what they know or how they know it. The reality is they probably have a prophetic gift, but they don't know how to operate in it because no one's ever helped them develop it with the kingdom mindset. But, but if, if you focus on all the stuff God has not done, you will live your life moping and groping. And I'm, I am you. And you are moping and groping and complaining. But the moment that you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the very one that with the words of his mouth caused all the planets to come into space, if the one in his right hand can hold all the stars and fling them into space, surely to goodness he hasn't forgotten me. Surely like the psalmist says, his ear is not deafened that he can't hear and his hand isn't shortened that he can't say. Surely. Surely he's not forgotten about you. And as we remember as we are reminded, reminded, or minded again about the goodness of God, then we remember it ain't over until it's good. The story ain't over until the story is good, period. And you're a part of his story. His story, history. You're a part of his story. The gospel, the good news, the God story is what the gospel actually means, and you're a part of it. Amen. So, yeah. With that in mind, and I think that's a, a nice segue, uh, way to segue into what I want to talk to you about today. And I really do want to teach you a little more than preach, although I can't help it. I get a little excited, and I know that I scream some, and I yell some, and I, I can't help it. Go back, go to YouTube. Rebecca can tell you, the, and look up Tony Button and watch that guy preaching. I get it naturally. I mean, he's all he dancing around and shouting and slinging snot everywhere. I mean, that was his thing. You have the docile version of Button up here. Um. I want to talk to you today about something that I feel like is sometimes overlooked, especially in charismatic uh, type uh, churches and services like we have here every single week. Now, how many people would say, in, in all honesty, every week I feel the anointing here, if you're here. Every week the Spirit of God moves here. It's okay to put you, it's not a trick question. God, I hope you do. As, as they say, if you can't get your fire lit here, then your wood's wet. <laughs> doesn't really matter if your wood's wet if you go back in the Old Testament there was some wet wood and the fire came down from heaven anyways and it burnt the fire and licked up the water around the fire so even if your wood's wet the Holy Spirit don't have a problem with wet wood 
Amen, brother. But every Sunday, every Sunday, we will have an unbelievable, incredible move of His Spirit in so much that you just feel almost rejuvenated. You're just like, yes, is, is this right? I can take on whatever. I, I don't like the idea of church being a filling station. I've heard that, uh, I've heard that metaphor used throughout the years. I'm just so, because we should never be empty. And we should not be so codependent on a Sunday morning service to get us through the week. Now, please don't get mad at me, but I can talk to you a little bit about an unhealthy codependency. Now, do we need each other? Yes. And are we to assemble ourselves? Yes. And are we to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? No. But when this becomes our only experience of God, then we become unhealthily codependent on what God does in the corporate setting on Sunday, not, not walking and talking with Him in our personal lives on a daily basis. And that can, be, that can become a sickness. And it happened to a whole lot of people around COVID when the government shut the churches down. God knows the strip clubs need to stay open and ABC could stay open, but let's shut the churches down. In case you were wondering, if that happens again, we will not shut down. There you go. But, but you, it, was, it became so obvious how prevalent the codependency on, on an hour, or in our case, an hour, two, an hour, two and a half, two and three quarters. My, my sweet mother-in-law, we're having lunch for her today, and she, honest to God, texted me and said in a group text, Hey, Josh, love you. Keep it short Sunday. We got lunch. <laughs> she watches sometimes. I'm going to get you for that, Trish. She'll get me back. Yeah, yeah, keep it short. I can't promise that. <laughs> but we become unhealthily codependent on what happens here on Sunday. And that's a good, you can, you can enjoy, you can have your faith increased, you should be challenged, you should be uplifted. But if this is your only experience of God, you are so falling short of your, of your opportunity and of what you got Jesus paid for you to have in a daily walk with Him. Actually, what should happen is we should come together celebrating and not being able to hardly wait to tell all the good things that God did with us this week. It's like, man, I'm with the mic next because I can't wait to say how he healed me and he struck the cancer and he took the little triangular-shaped thing out of my baby's lung and, and all that stuff. So today what I want to talk to you about is the mind of Christ. Say with me the mind of Christ. I believe, and I, I do have some experience. I've been doing this a while now. I've, I grew up, as she said last week, you grew up sleeping. I slept more on pews and chairs and, and floors and sawdust in tents probably our first 10 years than we slept in our beds. That sounds funny, but that's probably at least half true, would you say? I know a little bit of what, about what I'm talking about. And, and I love that we have these services here, and I love that the Spirit pours out. What I don't like to see is people by Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, completely and feeling completely and utterly defeated. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. At least I believe that I'm going to help you. So I'm talking about the mind of Christ. Today, I'm going to read some of my notes. We're going to read the Scripture. I'm going to leave that right there, and then we'll go on. In the day in which we live, there's one singular thing that we must have above all the other stuff. Yes, above good Holy Ghost field services, and we need those. We have to have those. Sorry. Octa. OCD. Took you a while. Bless your hearts. If we're going to flourish individually and collectively as a church, as the body of Christ, then we cannot, we cannot go by just being filled with His Spirit and not having His mind. Most of us live in a realm of hoping and believing for the miraculous, and that's not necessarily bad, but I feel like it's become our focus. 
Don't get mad at me. So what we see is people that get healed and people get delivered, but that becomes the ceiling when in fact that should have been the byproduct the whole time. So we see, and we've seen it. We saw, we've seen Rich come out of the hospital. We saw Susan. We, I mean, I can name people, person after person after person after situation that got us, including the building. But that becomes a ceiling. So I want to tell you, uh, this was a, and I, I didn't know I was going to share this. I kind of thought I might. But there was a study done years ago. I believe it was Harvard. I'm almost positive. You may know about the story, but they, th this, this professor takes um, a jar, and he puts fleas inside the jar, puts some holes in the top of just so they could get some air, and tightens the lid down on top of the jar. Right? And you know, fleas kind of, I hate those things. Fleas kind of bounce. You know, you know how they work. And what happened was, after I think it was three or four weeks, you can read the study for yourself, you can Google it. Three or four weeks, they took the lid off, and every flea that was in that jar would only bounce to the height of that ceiling. Prior to being in that jar, a flea could bounce four or five foot high. But being exposed to, being in that jar, I think it was three or four weeks, not one. Here's what's worse. They took and introduced new fleas into the jar with the other fleas. And within one week, eat without the lid on top, the rest of the fleas would also no longer go above where the lid would be on that, on that jar. And I feel like that was the that was and I feel like we've done that to ourselves. We do that to our children because we focus so much on what we consider the ceiling and we cap God at healings and signs and wonders that we forget that that is supposed to be the byproduct and the starting point, the land not the landing spot, but the launching pad to where we would go on into fullness. And it's, it's not a bad thing to be healed. I want you healed. Jesus wants you healed. Jesus wants you delivered, saved, healed, and all that stuff. But if we have every single service and every time that we come together, it's just focused on, on you know, healed and miraculous and stuff, and we create that as a ceiling, then guess what happens? Then we will forever remain codependent on a corporate, collective move of God instead of walking with the mind of Christ. We celebrate presence and we celebrate anointing, but there's not much talk about where all that comes from. What we understand as corporate anointing and what we understand as the manifest presence seems to come and go. I'm not saying that God comes and goes, but we have to admit, it seems, is it true that it seems easier to believe collectively in an atmosphere like this than when you're out there Thursday and that old girl just cut you off at Walmart? It's true. Target. They drive, they drive a little better in Target. It's true. When we gather in a building like this on Sunday at conference, revival, we all experience an outpouring of a spirit, so to speak, and it's wonderful, and I think that that's good, and it's necessary, but it cannot, cannot, and must not replace the one singular thing that will bring reformation to creation. You better hear me. Miracles and signs and wonders did not bring reformation back in Jesus' day. Not, not, not to the collective, it was to that individual. So when Jesus says to the little girl, Talitha Kumi, or when Jesus says uh, to the blind man to be healed, it changed their lives. And, and it became, a, it was a written and we understand it now. But, but the miracles and signs and wonders did not change the collective creation altogether to fullness. It was the starting point. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? The next part. But we have the mind of Christ. We have, this is what's missing, in my opinion, this is what's missing from the church. 
And I'm not talking about mental assent. We're going to talk about what the mind of Christ actually is. I don't mean you get smart enough that you think Jesus' thoughts. You can never get smart enough to think like Christ. The only way that you think like Christ is to have your mind renewed. Not nude, renewed. Made new again. It's an incredible statement that Paul makes. He emphasizes the truth that we have to have the mind of Christ because it's the mind of Christ that can look at two fishes and five loaves and see plenty to feed 5,000 and have some left over. It's, it's illogical, it's beyond human logic to think the way that God thinks. The mind of Christ is able to look at the cold, dead body that stood over a 12-year-old girl and say, little girl, arise. Now, here's the word. This is the word, the mind. This is the word, mind. This is in your Strong's Concordance. If you're taking notes, it's, it's the Greek, 3563, and it's the word, nous. And it means the intellect, the thought, the feeling, or the will of God. So having the mind of Christ means we have the thoughts of Christ. To have the mind of Christ means to think the way Jesus thought. And this is what Paul says that we have. This is, this is how we are empowered. Not just by, the, 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 not just by the, the goose pimples that we get on Sundays and not just by the collective corporate anointing. No, but by having in ourselves the mind of Christ. We think like Christ. If we're going to begin to change the world, we have to think God thoughts. If the kingdom come is going to be a reality, it's imperative that we think the way he thinks. And the way God thinks is to see nothing as impossible. Because the scripture makes it clear over and over again, with God all things are possible. Not some things, and not some things sometimes, and not all things sometimes, but everything, every time is always possible with God. Most church people have to have an, in, uh, an experience like this to be convinced that God, one, is good enough to do it, two, that he wants to do it, and then finally take a step out of the boat on the water and say, okay, let's let him do it. But it's, that's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is you always have all access to the Father and all spiritual things that Jesus paid for. Every time, whether it's Sunday morning at 11 or Friday night at 2 a.m., To have the mind of Christ means also that we have the feelings of Christ, according to the definition. The feelings of Christ. That's obviously part of the original definition of the word mind, which means we feel what Jesus feels. How many times in the New Testament do you read, and Jesus being moved with compassion? Well, you're quiet today. Some of you are thinking so hard, your ears are smoking. God. When is the last time any of us were moved with compassion for our fellow brothers and sisters? We're moved with compassion and it compelled us to do something we may not otherwise do and we didn't need nor were we looking to get credit for what we did. To have the mind of Christ literally means we burn with the same passion with which he burns. What's the passion he burns with? Unity. I can prove it to you. You can go to Acts chapter 2 if you'd like to read it. Spirit was never poured out until first they were with one mind in one accord in one place. 
when you read that with one mind in one accord, mind, there's the word mind again, it literally means they were burning with the fervent, hot, same passion. And the passion was for the fulfillment of the promise. Amen. The passion of God is to restore, and shown in the life of Jesus, I should say, was to, listen, to restore perfect, unbroken communion with the Father. Perfect, unbroken communion with the Father. That is different than coming in here, filling the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful, and releasing the glory and feeling that collective. All of that is wonderful, but it's not the same as walking and living in perfect, unbroken communion with the Father. When the Scripture says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, He was not only saving those which were lost, but that, and the that that was lost was our identity as some. Sons and daughters with access to Father at all times. There's a, there's a meme that went around. I shared it a few years back. And it says, it says, only a child would dare go and wake a king from his slumber. That's the kind of access that we have to our Father. Not that he sleeps, but a child never thinks, is this going to be bad? Should I not bother him? Should I? No, no, a child just thinks, I have that availability. This is Daddy. I'm going to find Daddy. That is what he wants us to have. That's what Jesus came to restore because the image of Father had been so distorted. In fact, the Bible says his visage, his image, his face was marred more than any other man the, uh, the reason that his face and visage was marred more than any other man is because of what we did to Jesus this is not what father did to Jesus on our behalf it's what mankind did to Jesus G God was not punishing Jesus for us the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself when you see the broken body of Christ on the cross it is the wrath of man put on God and you see how that distorts his image but Jesus came to bring perfect restoration of who father really was which was for you and to restore you and to give us back perfect unbroken communion now I know that challenges a lot of people's theology because you've always been taught uh, penal substitutionary atonement and that's fine and I don't want to get into that but there are other uh, there are there are other ways to look at scripture that I believe are more indicative of the nature of father one of which is called Christus Victor you might want to look into it at some point where Jesus is Christ and the Father reconciles the world unto himself through Jesus, not beating Jesus to death because we had to have a sin debt paid, but pulling us back and paying the, paying the debt that we owed that way. It would behoove you to, to it would behoove you to begin to have your mind renewed. And I'm going to tell you how. Your mind renewed to think like Christ, to think like God. I don't care what revelation you think you have or how deep you are. If you don't love your brother or sister, and if you don't move with compassion, stop calling yourself Christ-like. You can have a bunch of head knowledge, but not the mind of Christ. Because guess what? That's exactly what the Pharisees had. Knew the scripture backwards and forward, and that's fine. They knew it so well that they didn't recognize the word. How many times are we so, uh, do, we have, do we think we know so much what the scripture says that we don't know what his word actually is and what his spirit actually says? Listen to this one. 
They had the scriptures, they didn't have the word. They had the Torah, but they didn't have the mind of Christ. Also implicit in the definition of mind and in the scripture is the reality that to have the mind of Christ means we have the will of Christ. The will of Christ. If we understand that God would have none to perish, but that all should come to repentance, that's 2 Peter chapter 3, by the way, then our evangelism would be so much more effective and, dare I say, successful than if we just try to scare them to the altar every Sunday to get them saved again. I want you to be saved. But I don't want you to be saved just so you can get a house in the sky one day. I want you to be saved from the hell that you go through on a daily basis when you torment yourself because you have a broken, distorted image of who God is, which gives you a broken, distorted image of who you are. And when his image is distorted and your image is distorted, that's the way you see things. And guess what? When you look at brothers and sisters, oh, I'm going to get into some stuff now, you start to project on them your own feelings of insecurity and inadequacy when the reality is they probably and maybe don't even feel that way at all, but you can't get out of your own way because you've not renewed your mind. So although you feel a heebie-jeebie and a goose pimple and you shanda bashada and you threw the flags all over the church, if your mind's not renewed and you still have this broken sense of security, then you're going to project that on everybody that you come into contact with. As they said, that's a whole word right there. That's a, that's a whole sermon by itself. The will of God, if we understand that, the will of God. We can't, we have, or we sh I should say we become so spiritual that we don't talk much about the mind, which is the processor that God gave us. We have the spirit of God, but if we don't have the mind of God, then we experience moments in his presence, moments of favor, but those seem to come and go. Tell me I'm not telling the truth. Tell me I'm not telling you the truth. It seems like there are ebbs and flows. You know, wow, it's so powerful, and then boom, it's gone. Why? Because we have his spirit, and we love that, but we don't have his mind. Oh, I'll take, I'll take one from Tony Bunton, chapter 1, verse 2. It's O will or O me or amen. Pick one. Imagine being able to speak in tongues, but you can't speak the language of the kingdom because you have an unregenerated mind. Hmm. A deep dive into the Greek definition of mind, and you will discover that part of the meaning of mind is also understanding. We have the mind of Christ, which means we understand things the way that God understands them. Remember what the old psalmist says, or the, uh, the, uh, the Old Testament, with all thy getting, get understanding. Scripture. To understand, or should I say to stand under, means we interpret things the way that God interprets things. We see with his perspective. We see and perceive things the way that God sees and perceives them. I know so many people in the church who have really good hearts. Please don't miss me. I want you to hear this. Really good hearts. They love God and they love people, but they don't have his perception. They've experienced trauma or have been wounded, and so they project those feelings of insecurity or inadequacy on everyone they come in contact with. Being fully quickened and made alive in their spirit, but their mind is not renewed. So they can feel what you feel when you're releasing the glory. And they love it and they yearn for it and they long for it. But they don't quite understand what it is. And once the setting, the atmosphere is gone, so to speak, it's gone for them. Because they experience that, but they don't have the mind. 
So they are completely and utterly ineffective in manifesting kingdom come because they love people, but they hate themselves. I'm going to say some stuff. I'm going to say some stuff, and I'm going to need you to listen to me because this needs to be said. Their desire and their true heart really is to love and to help people, but they can't get out of their own way because of unhealed trauma. That trauma has stained their mind and warped their perception, so you see them continually hurting others and then apologizing for it. Because they hurt them with their mind, they apologize with their heart. I've lived this. I don't just mean someone's done this to me. I've been this person. I've walked through periods and seasons of insecurity and and experienced trauma. One, one very obvious one was when my father passed. I was so overwhelmed by the trauma that things came out of me that I didn't know at the time were coming out in ways of specifically bitterness. There's an old saying that I just absolutely love. It says this, I sat with my bitterness long enough until she told me her real name was grief. And if you don't deal with grief, I can promise you, and I don't want to talk about grief in a prolonged sense, but if you don't deal with grief or if you don't deal with trauma and get healed from that, look, this is a professional counselor right here. How many years have you done that, Canby? A lot. 20 years. 20 years. Am I tell, is, this, is this right on target? If people, and there are so many people that have an unbelievable good heart. They, they honest to God, they love people to death, but they hate themselves. So what they say hurts other people, and then like, oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. That was their mind doing it, their heart, and then their heart comes back and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because they know, and their real person and their true identity is they love God and they love people, but they don't know how to love themselves, and so they're spewing poison every time they open their mouth. They got the heart of Jesus and the mind of Adam. They got the heart of Jesus and the mind of Adam. They feel it, but they don't know what to do with it. James 1, 5 through 8 says this, But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf on the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Those that are double-minded are completely and utterly ineffective in kingdom. The possibility for greatness is there, but doubt and fear and unbelief creeps in and they begin to sink. They're tossed to and fro like the waves. One minute they're up, the next minute they're down. One minute they're prophesying, the next minute they're prophesying. Can we cut that from the video, Isaiah? One minute they're your best friend, the next minute they can't stand you. They go the, waves the, they go the way that the waves toss them. They're like reeds shaken in the wind. And I know many people just like this that have a really good heart. 
But as long as they're double-minded, they're going to be no or little use to the kingdom. That's why Paul emphasized this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We must have this mind. A renewed or regenerated mind will do more for the kingdom and more for humanity than all of the good preaching, all of the good songs, all of the good works, all of the good worship stuff, and all the gatherings that we could ever do. I, maybe I should repeat that. As a pastor that enjoys conferences, enjoys revivals, things not, that we do here and some other places, that enjoys the moving of His Spirit, that enjoys this collective worship, I enjoy I love it. I absolutely love it. And the Lord spoke to me many, many years ago. He said, the church, He was talking about Truvine specifically, because if we were, it would seem like we would, and I'm talking about from 20 years, we would have these moments um, uh, uh, moments of just unbelievable outpouring then dryness and he said that's because the church is good at events but they're not good at life and he, I mean, it, was a, it was a rebuke to me like oh man and when you think about it obviously he's not like he's lying you know? <laughs> that's really good wait and see wait and see when October comes when we do our conference here and watch how, the, how easy it will be to walk and enter into a place believing for whatever and just things will happen. Boom, 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 boom. But, but in July, fourth weekend or whatever, when there are 25 people that come and that's not what happens, watch and see how much harder it is. Why? We're good at events. We're not always good at life. And the reason we're good at events is because we have a heart to worship, but our mind is not like him. And I'm not suggesting you have to come. Listen, I have said for years, if you go on family vacation, I want you to go. If you miss it, you will never hear from me. Nobody has ever heard from me saying, I can't believe you didn't come to church because you went and spent time with your family on vacation. You'll never hear that nonsense from me. I don't do that. I don't need to guilt trip you. If you need to be here, be here. If you need to be with your family, be with your family. Okay. How do we get to this place of a renewed, or should I say, regenerated mind? The Bible says we renew our minds with the washing of water by the Word. Romans 12.2 says this, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, or, or what it really says is, don't be squeezed into the mold of the present age. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This is the way the King James says it. Be ye not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. I preached a message at the school years ago. And it was, um, it was um, um, transformation by renovation. Because I, I looked into the renewing part. But be ye transformed, trans, changed, formed. So you're changing your form. You're being changed, being transformed. That's the word metamorphosis. Did you know that? The word that Paul uses when he says, be, don't be conformed, con, brought down, don't be conformed to do things the way the world does them, but instead be transformed, be metamorphosed, stop being the worm, go through a death period, and come out flying like the butterfly. How? By the renovation of your mind. Now, anybody that's ever done Jason Lane, J.E. Lane Construction, hire him. He wants to do all the work. All the work. I've done remodeling throughout my whole life. And some of them are fun to do and some of them you wish you'd never. Well, the more you tear into it, the, more wor the worse it gets. I got a feeling I'm about to face one of those. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, Holly's was one. So years ago, we go into Holly's house and we pull up floor covering. I'm like, we're just going to replace a couple of 
of uh, subfloor, and then we pull up subfloor panels. I could take in that house, and this just because it's a 100-plus-year-old house, I could take my finger and push it through the joists, some of her floor joists. It was that eaten away. Now, for some reason, I don't know who, and I don't want to know. Maybe I have an idea. Some reason, at some point in the history of that home, someone had brought in new lumber and nailed the new lumber to the old lumber. Who laughed? That you must know something about construction. If you take new lumber and nail it to old, what do you think is going to happen? What will happen is all that's, that's rotting and decaying will cause the new to rot and decay too. And that's what happens with our mindsets. A lot of times we get a little inkling. And instead of taking out the old, we try to mix the old covenant and the new covenant. We try to mix law and grace. Ugh. We try to mix. And, and, and when you do that, forever it will corrupt all the good stuff that has been brought into the, to the, to the equation. So to do a true renovation of your mind, you're going to have to get rid of all the old, rotten, or as they used to say, the stinking thinking you got to get rid of it I'm telling you the number one problem facing the church in terms of being the real church and walking in power you see I keep doing that power and I'm good all, so far I'm good all service long I'm good <laughs> the number one issue that is facing the church at large not just in America I do, have done traveling a few times I've been around the globe a few times is this the church has an image problem we don't know who we are and the reason we have an image problem is because we don't know the image of the Father, so we don't know the image of ourselves. And the only way we're going to get that is to take out a bunch of old, rotten nonsense and to bring in the reality, the new, the good that God wants for us. For instance, here's something that I can help you with start renovating your mind. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. Pick one. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace because once you're saved by grace, old things are passed away. They're gone. And all things are become new you can't be both you're not a wretch anymore maybe you were a wretch but you're not a wretch now stop pay, saying that to yourself because when you say it your ears hear it and your mind believes it and you act like it here's what I say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I am a son or I am a daughter of God I am a new creation I walk and live and move and have my being in him all things are possible unto me because everything is possible to him and as you begin to speak that your mind hears it and your mind believes what it hears you got to take out that stinking thinking that's how Jacob would say it Stinking thinking. The stinking thinking. You're not an old dirty wretch. Well, if you knew what I did last night, you are not a human doing. You're a human being. And human beings have experiences, some positive and some negative, but it does not change the reality of who God says that you are. Period. And as we align with ourselves, as we align our mind with who he says that we are, and, and, and we see ourselves as we really are, nothing will be impossible. And then we don't, my phone just, is that my phone? If that's Trish, I'm going I'm to text her back right now. Wrap it up, preacher. Yep. No, just kidding. Finish up. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Seriously, is that my phone? Knock it off. I know who you are. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the way the King James reads it, which is the word metamorphosis. Metam 
<laughs> that was cute. If you're going to renew or restore or remodel something, a bunch of old stuff has to come out. You don't remodel a house and leave the old rotted wood in the house or the, old, or the new wood will be rotted because of exposure to the old. But it's more than just a change in the way you think. It's a change in your mind altogether. Having a new mind means you'll have new thoughts. If you're going to be effective in the kingdom, you must have a renewed mind. Otherwise, you'll have the heart of Jesus but the mind of Adam. You'll go to heaven, but you'll never bring heaven to earth. But, I'm literally finishing up. Here's the fun part. I believe that I am looking at a generation of people who will put on the mind of Christ. Am I? I believe I'm looking at a generation of people who will think the way God thinks, who will see the way God sees. I'm talking about you. Who will move the way God moves, who will speak the way God speaks, who will hear the way God hears, who will touch the way God touches, who will heal like God heals, who will create just as God creates, and who will restore just as God restores. That is your new covenant right as a new covenant creation and creature in Christ. Let's all stand. Be ye not conformed to the pattern of the world, but have your mind renovated. Have your mindset renovated. Think the way that God thinks. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Not just these thoughts, let the mind. And not a mind like Jesus, let this mind, this singular mind be in you, which means you have the ability to tap into the mind of God himself. And the mind of God looks in darkness and says, let there be light. And because he said it, it happens. That's why when I pray for Bruce, I don't hope it happens. I'm not praying, God, please, so that Bruce will believe. I know for a fact it came out of my mouth by the Spirit of God. I'm pulling from the ethereal, and I'm infusing him with that same power. I know that it's going to happen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And how do we do that? How do we do it? We renovate our mind and we wash our minds completely. Let our minds be washed with the water by the Word. Not just the Scripture, but the Word. Jesus is the Word. The Bible is the Word about the Word. But Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Logos. He's the logic of God. And so what we do is as we spend time with Him, He washes our minds Oh, man, it's getting thick in here now. As we, as we spend time with him, as we walk with him, and as we listen, when's the last time you prayed for five minutes and sat still for five to let God respond to what you just said? We think prayer is throwing up some kind of request as if there's a cosmic Santa Claus that's supposed to get them and answer them. The reality is prayer is a lifestyle and prayer is an ongoing dialogue between father and sons and daughters. And as we begin to understand that dialogue, he will renew your mind. You'll begin to think, oh man, nothing's impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. I believe that all things are possible. Jesus never needed praise and worship and a heebie-jeebie to have a healing manifest. Why? Because he, the Spirit of God dwelt in him. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, by the way. And, and the mind of God was wrapped up in the head of his son. And God is looking for a generation of people who will take on his mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come. I believe to teach and to start laying a groundwork so that we can have unbelievable moves of God, but that, but, but that it's not relegated to a Sunday from 1033 until 1215 or 18, but that it becomes our lifestyle. 
we have your spirit and we have your heart. We need your mind. With all of the information and disinformation and misinformation and trash and garbage that we feed our minds on a daily from social media and from the trash news networks, of desire for your word and infusion of desire for your glory because you said they that hunger and thirst after your righteousness would be filled. So help us to have a hunger again. And as we hunger for that, our mind, as we spend time with you, as we talk and as we listen, as we dialogue, then we are infused with your presence and with your glory. Let this mind be also in us, which was within Christ Jesus. I pray for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God.